Thought Bubble Audio. Hi, and welcome to Academy Rewind, the fortnightly podcast where we're taking a look at the Oscars from years past. I'm Tim, and with me, as always, is my man who loves Quentin Tarantino, Palmer. How are you today? Well, sometimes it makes me sad. Tim being gone, I have to remind myself that some birds aren't meant to be caged. Their feathers are just too bright, and when they fly away, the part of you know those that knows it was a sin to lock them up does rejoice. But still... The place you live in is that much more drabbed and empty that they're gone. I guess I just miss my friend. I'm right here. Oh, hi. Hi. (laughs) (laughs) That was was, excellent. I was looking at my phone. I didn't see you there. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Um, Hey, here's here's the deal. Hey, okay, Sparky, here's the deal. I only do one take, so if you didn't catch that one. No, it's coming (laughs) out. I just, uh, the headphones sound weird to me, but I think it's working. Yeah. Is it coming in both ears? No. It's still one, only one year for me and one year for you. All right. Well, this might be stereo for everyone. Woo! If it's not, I figured it out in post. <laughs> <laughs> That's what matters. Okay. Well, anyway, Palmer, we're here to- We'll fix it in post. <laughs> fix it. We're doing it live. Anyway, we are doing it live, actually. Yeah. So um, you can find us down at 123 Fake Street for our, <laughs> so for our live show. Paul, we're here to talk about the 1995 Best Picture nominees for the Academy Awards. They are as follows. The Shawshank Redemption, Four Weddings and a Funeral, Pulp Fiction, Quiz Show, and Forrest Gump. Mm-hmm. Palmer, what won Best Picture? Forrest Gump. Forrest Gump won Best Picture. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, this might be the best year we've ever had. Honestly, this might be a year... That we're doing this season. Good for you. All right. <laughs> That's something. All right. I really enjoyed four out of the five of these movies. <laughs> I really enjoyed the four weddings, but not necessarily the funeral. I did not enjoy that funeral. Actually, I was quite sad. Yeah. All right. So there will obviously be spoilers for all of these moving forward. Uh, Palmer, let's start with potentially your favorite, but I'm not sure. The Shawshank Redemption. Okay. Since you since you went to go quoted, I thought that was a great way to that was a great way to go. Directed by Frank Darabont, written by Frank Darabont, based on the short story by Frank Darabont. No, by Stephen King, Damn. Reader Hayworth, and the Shawshank Redemption, starring a lot of people. But I chose the following: Tim Robbins, Morgan Freeman, Bob Gutton, and Clancy Brown. Good job. I thought those were the good. Cho- I thought those yeah. were good choices. Two good guys, two bad guys. You know, Bob was the uh, warden. Right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, this movie was nominated for Best Picture, Best Leading Actor for Morgan Freeman, Adapted Screenplay, Cinematography, Sound Editing, and Music. It won zero Nothing. awards. <laughs> the Shawshank Redemption won zero awards. Yep. Uh, the, in case you have not seen it, the the plot involves two imprisoned men who bond over uh, who bond over a number of years uh, and eventually find redemption through. Certain acts, yes. The end. They found love in a hopeless place. They found love in the hopeless place. Um, I've seen the Shawshank Redemption a bunch of times. We went to the theater to see it. Yeah, they live. just had a Fathom events uh, this month, or actually, no, last month. By the time this episode comes out, it will be many months. <laughs> 
but that's okay. At some point, there was a Fathom event because it was the anniversary. That is correct. And and it was lovely to see this film on the big screen. Yeah. Shasha, I, in a way, this feels... Um, this feels like an unfair year because Shawshank Redemption is one of my top ten films. I just I love it to pieces. I can thank TNT for that because it used you know it used to show it all the time, yep. just over and over and yeah. over again. So I grew up watching this movie before I even knew half of the stuff that was going on in this movie. Um, <laughs> It, I think Mommy, they're at sleepaway camp. They're, they're at camp. That looks like a terrible camp. I do not want to go <laughs> there. Um, I I think it is a well-constructed movie from top to bottom. And yeah. I don't really... There are no weak links. And I don't want to say that's a detriment to the film, but because it, it's so cohesively well done, yeah. I think that's maybe why it doesn't end up winning anything, just because it's nothing actually stands out from the crowd. That's true. I think it does pretty much everything really well, but I don't know if it does anything great. Mm, I think honestly, I think it's I think its narrative structure is probably what wins it for me. Like the like so just take like Morgan Freeman's mm-hmm. like meetings like he's young, he's middle-aged and he's and he's on the older side. And the way he approaches every single one of those meetings and but and not just but not even just like his acting or the script, but who's at the table and what they're saying to him and how they respond and what it looks like and it's all very methodically processed yeah. and I I think Honestly, I didn't even really notice it until watching it on the big screen. Okay, which is which is strange, but but it was the it was the big screen that kind of led me to say to to see all the intricacies. Yeah, um, I will say I think the I think the weakest point in this movie is Tim Robbins. Ooh, and while I don't think he did a bad job playing Andy Dufresne um I think he when he when you put him up against all of the other characters and actors in this movie I think he's playing a character that is very out of place like his the way his speech patterns go and he's very meticulous and very drawn out when he talks. But isn't that the point of Andy Dufresne, is that he doesn't exactly fit in, and that's right. why he escapes? Well, no, he escapes because he wasn't meant to be there. Well, exactly, but that's the whole point. So you have, like, uh, you have, um, oh my gosh, what's his name? Morgan Freeman. No, the guy that hangs himself. Brooks. Brooks, thank you. Um, you have Brooks, who is of Shawshank, yeah. and, like, doesn't want to leave and Morgan Freeman is is gets to that same place and the only reason that he doesn't end up he doesn't end up like Brooks is because of Andy Dufresne. Right. And it could just be like the character of Andy Dufresne. Mm-hmm. I just I don't jibe with like it's sometimes it's a chore to listen to him talk for many lines on end. Like if he's having a monologue, it can it's all right, can we Let's all right. You got like fifteen lines. Can we go a little bit faster, Andy? You know, I I actually kind of understand that, but also he's got time. 
You know, <laughs> he's got to take his time with the lines because he's got to take his time whittling through the wall. <laughs> so he's just letting that. He's time just there, like doing a out. Shakespeare soliloquy while he's hammering. Exactly. I mean, you got to pass the time. So you got to pass the time somewhere. Uh, I thought the um, the the prison looked about as good as a prison can look. Mm-hmm. You know, it was a very night. Nice, the wide shots in the movie of the prison and the in the grounds all look very good. Um, Frank Darabont is really good uh, adapting Stephen King stuff. He He's kind of made a career of it. He kind of has, and then stuff that's akin to Stephen King, because Frank Darabont, Walking Dead, The Mist, right? Which is Stephen King. Yeah, I know. Walking Dead's not though. Right. I said akin to uh, the woman in the red house or something was um, another. There's a Stephen King short story, and it's Rose Matter. No, it's called like Woman in the Red House or Woman and the Red House or oh, something. Yeah, I know it's got the word woman in red in it. I don't remember the rest of it. Uh, that Darab- was that was a TV movie or something. Like it was that, a right? short okay. that Darabont directed. Okay, um, and that's how he first got into like adapting Stephen King stuff. Oh, I'm thinking of I'm thinking of something different then. Okay, I'm thinking of whatever. There was a TV movie. There was that a TV was made movie called, called the, Rose after, Red. Rose Red. That's what I was thinking of. And then um, the sequel about like Eleanor Rigby or something. Eleanor Rigby. Uh, yeah, because apparently um, Stephen King has a policy for aspiring filmmakers. You can adapt his short stories for a dollar. Really? I don't know if he still does it, but as, when I was looking up trivia for this, um, I came across that. Yeah, he allows people to, he allows allows aspiring filmmakers to adapt his short stories for a dollar. So, like, if you're Steven Spielberg and you're like, I want to adapt this this four-page story you did, he's not going to be like, all right, just give me a dollar. No. no but, you're right. Steven Spielberg. Give me a yeah. hundred million dollars. Like, this cost a thousand dollars to get the rights. Mm-hmm. Um, to which... Apparently, King never cashed the check. Really? He had it framed and sent it back to Frank Darabont with a note saying, you know, if you ever need to get bailed out of jail. (laughs) That's great. Um, But, you know, everyone loves this movie. And it's hard to find flaws in it. And that's why I said, like, like the only flaw I can really give it is... Is that it's too good. Is that... Is Andy Dufresne. Like, sometimes I just don't care about his character because... I'm just sitting there going, like, you're slowing down this movie. This movie that's, like, over two hours but feels finely paced, except when Andy is talking. Which is a good chunk of the time. Yeah. But that's, I mean, I I, I kind of get what you're saying. Actually, I do understand what you're saying. It's not even that I, I kind of get it. I guess I just connect with Andy in a way... I mean, this is a guy you're talking about that's like, I like polishing rocks, and I'm an accountant, and you know what? He's kind of a wet noodle, Andy yeah. Dufresne, but prison teaches him not to be. I mean, to be fair, any accountant and person who likes polishing rocks probably deserves to be in prison. Probably did kill his wife. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> I like this. I like Shawshank because this idea of like only guilty man in Shawshank, you know, like everybody's innocent here. Yeah. This running motif. But the people who are in charge of the prison are the guilty ones. I really enjoy oh, that. Oh, no, no, no. The people that are in there, too, are for the most part guilty. Oh, I know that, too. But they like, you know, it's the running gag. Like they know they're like, right. you know, like, oh, well, you know, you know, I didn't do it. Lawyer screwed me, you know, like all that stuff. <laughs> But it's the it's the like the warden and Clancy Brown, whose name I can't remember. Um, Lex Luthor, 
Yeah, Patsy Brown. Yeah, the the prison guard there. Um, oh, it's uh, they. Yeah. They're the ones that are the guilty ones, and so they. Their roles should be their roles. All their roles should be reversed. You have these, like, because you you have not seen what these people have done. You know, Red, played by Morgan Freeman, is a murderer. He says he is. Right. Uh, actually, what he did is in my fun facts. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, well. Because everyone loves Red, so I'm like, I need to give you the reason why he's in Shawshank. Oh, please do. (laughs) Actually, so that's a great time. Why don't you segue right into Fun Facts? So Andy and Red's opening chat in the prison yard in which Red is throwing a baseball took nine hours to shoot. That is horrifying. Wait a second. It gets better. Morgan Freeman threw the baseball for the entire nine hours without a word of complaint. He showed up for work the next day with his left arm in a sling. Wow. Yep. Wow. In the movie, Red says, I committed murder when Andy asks him why he's in Shawshank. The novella explains it in detail. Red is serving three life life sentences for murdering his wife, his neighbor's wife, and his neighbor's son. Red disconnected the brakes on his car in order to kill his wife and collect the insurance. He did not plan on the other two being in the car. Oh. Wow, that's terrible. Yeah. The American Humane Society monitored the filming of scenes involving Brooks's crow. During the scene which he feeds it a maggot, the AHS objected to the ground objected on the grounds that it was cruel to the maggot and required that they use a maggot that had died of natural causes. One was found and the scene was filmed. By gosh. Yes. Wow. Um also Brooks uh is in jail for killing uh his wife and son after losing at poker. Well, I mean, yeah, that's why I don't lose at poker. Yeah, I yeah. mean, that's obviously <laughs> uh, the. Um, I like that red. I think that red in the novella is an actual Irishman with red hair, and that's why they call him Red. Right. But then Morgan Freeman, they said, "Why do they call?" Or Tim Robbins, like, "Why do they call you Red?" He's like, "Maybe it's because I'm Irish." Well, I mean, they they um, they tried to get, or they had other people. Uh, like Clint Eastwood and the ilk uh, mm. come in to... Famous red-haired Clint Eastwood. Yeah, famous red-haired Clint Eastwood. I believe it was uh, Clint Eastwood, Chevy Chase, Bill Murray. Chevy Chase. Like, these were all people they tried to get for red. So they tried to get a white person for red, uh, or a famous white person for red. Never really pan, you know, came about. So... When they decided on Morgan Freeman, they were like, "No, nah, no, nah, we're going to leave that line in. Like, that's a oh. good. That's a, that line's even better now." Oh my gosh! Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's funny. I mean, this movie really jump started Morgan Freeman's career. He'd been working in the industry for decades, and but it was Shawshank where everyone went, "Oh, Morgan Freeman," you say. Um, I mean, you could I argue will say, with Driving Miss Daisy. I will say it revitalized. It might have revitalized. Maybe his not jump started. Jump started. Kind, right yeah, thing. kind yeah. of like. Uh, uh, John Travolta and Pulp Fiction this year. That's right. Um, but yeah, like f- like Freeman in the eighties when he showed like his first movie, I believe he gets nominated. Right. Uh, then he's in Glory. He's in Driving Miss Daisy. He's oh, in. I forgot um, that Glory was before this. He's in um, Stand Not Stand by Me. Um, Lean on Me mm-hmm. as the principal, which I that might be my favorite Morgan Freeman movie. Like I Lean love, on Me. I love Lean on Me. It's been a while since I've seen it. But yeah, this this is probably my favorite. More no, this is my favorite Morgan Freeman movie. That and Olympus has fallen, of course. I'm kidding. I mean, Deep Impact. He plays the president. 
I forgot a few a few years before. Forgot about Deep Impact. That was yeah. when we loved movies about comets crashing into the right into this planet. Someone had the great idea: we're going to have the first black president in the United States history in a movie. Then we're going to destroy America with a asteroid. That is correct. You know, the movie's racist. It's not. <laughs> okay, next movie: Four Weddings and a Funeral, directed by Mike Newell. Written by Richard Curtis, starring Hugh Grant, James Fleet, Simon Cowell, John Hanna, Kristen Scott Thomas, Annie McDowell. No. Aud- Annie McDowell? Annie McDowell. Yeah, Annie McDowell. And Charlotte Coleman. This movie was nominated for Best Picture and Original Screenplay. This movie won no awards, as it should have. Which is weird, because you really like... I love Richard Curtis. Yeah, you love Richard Curtis. I so love what didn't Richard- you like about this movie that you don't think it should have won any awards? I watched this movie with the wrong lens up until the funeral that was my problem so did you, did you think the movie was four funerals and a wedding nope no that would be hilarious <laughs> i'm like why are we going to all these weddings it's supposed to be about funerals <laughs> no i i mistakenly thought this was a comedy it is it is but it's this is a this it, is a much more british comedy it, than we're used to from it, him it, well you know what it is so so richard curtis didn't like how Mike Newell directed this movie until he saw it. Yeah, I know. It's in my fun facts. Well, Shut up. Well, I knew that even before watching you look at fun facts. So, mm-hmm. so you need a new fun fact. Well, so, no, I'm still going to use it. So, meh. Okay. So, <laughs> so, um, so they didn't like it until – he didn't like it until he saw what Mike Newell was doing with it. And he really – the movie sets itself up as an absurdist comedy – you know, but it's but it's it's like the without I'm sorry without seeing it, it's an absurdist comedy. Like he discovers about love and life because he has to go to all these weddings and like right. he's always late to them and like I do love that the I, running yeah. motif. The first five minutes of this movie is hilarious, but he's on time for the funeral. Like that's good. He's grown up. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, he was going to be late for the next wedding. That's true. Which was his own. But they told him. But they the told him. Time. Yeah, it was, it was great. It was that really, was a that was a good trick. I, so, so like I said, I believe this is, um, this is Richard Curtis. This is like the most British comedy Richard Curtis has written. Yeah, I agree. Um, love Actually, Notting Hill, which both of those, which I absolutely love. About Time. I don't love About Time. I do. That's my favorite one. I have to go back and rewatch it, mm. but I didn't love it when I saw it in the theater. If if you watched. About time, the way that I watch Four Weddings and a Funeral, yeah. I can because that movie, it's like billed as a love story. Yeah. But that's not really what it is. It's it's about that guy's life. Right. Um, um, yesterday, I I didn't like. That's the only one of his I can say like I just didn't like it all. Like mm-hmm. About Time, just wasn't as good as, um, Love Actually and the other movie, who's uh, Notting Hill. Yeah, okay. Um, so this movie, because one thing I didn't know until I was researching stuff for this movie is Richard Curtis also did um, Black Adler. Did he? Yep. And he, uh, him and Rowan Atkinson created Mr. Bean. Oh, I didn't know that yeah, at all. Yeah, like he, he did the TV series. He did the two movies. He wrote the two movies. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Gosh darn it. So he has a long track record this i think is is like i said is more british comedy and somewhat not as good for american american um ears 
No, I mean I like see, but here's the thing though. I like British comedy. Yeah, this is not like a like. Oh, I didn't get the humor. I no, got I know, it, but it's a def. It, I think it's definitely different than his movies that we really like. Yes, that I that I agree with, and I think, and I don't think that's a Mike Newell thing. I think it's a Mike Newell thing. I think if if the. I think the film kind of lacked energy, and I think, yes. and I think that Mike, I think that's all Mike Newell. Okay, and I, and I, that's that's his style. Like that's the kind of movie he makes, right? Uh, and mm, I, I'm trying to phrase my, I'm trying to phrase myself here. Um, if the if there was a vigor to the film, yeah, I think it would have landed for me better than it did but it just it took too long to kind of do its thing yeah but i but removing newell's direction from the film i get why this was nominated for best screenplay because it's very well constructed from top to bottom it's original it's definitely original it's original in its premise i ultimately land on liking this movie although when i was watching it last night I did think like I I could be swayed either way mm. on this movie being good or bad. It's I think I solid three out of five. For yeah, me. yeah, I think I land on liking it, but I could listen to any argument and get swayed in the other direction. Ultimately, I really like Andy McDowell in this movie. Yeah, that's funny because I didn't because I you have she, bad taste. I thought she was just she was just flat, right. and I didn't think that she and Hugh well, her, Grant her had chemistry. It was. I didn't think that she and Hugh Grant had chemistry. I don't think Hugh. I don't really ever think Hugh Grant has chemistry with anybody. I think he does. Because I he, think he does now that he's older. But it took a couple of decades. Like he, the style of person he plays in this movie, especially, like he cannot talk to women. He's he's very clunky and and anxious when talking to women. And it's like, oh, he's like an adorable dork, and yeah, no, 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 I'm an adorable dork. Mm-hmm. Like, I have a, I have a hard time talking to someone I'm interested in, like that. And even watching this, it was painful for me. Like, I'm like, mm-hmm. even like, I don't like. It was just bad. Like mm-hmm. him trying to talk to women in this movie made me want to rip out my eyes. And stuff them in my ears so I know I didn't have to watch or hear it. Wow, that's intense. Can't wait to talk about <laughs> Pulp Fiction with you. <laughs> oh my gosh, I I'm I get what you're saying. I like Hugh Grant's style. I guess though, this is not my favorite. I think he, like I said, I think he gets better as he gets older. It's kind of raw here, but know who is great in this movie? John Hanna and Simon Cowell. Who the hell is John Hanna? Uh, um, Simon Cowell's boyfriend. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, excellent. Yeah. Like I was. So the the funeral scene. I was reminded of. Um, I'll cover you. Like that. Yeah. I just wanted to like. Yeah. I just wanted him to break out into "I'll cover you" the whole time. But I did like the poem that he. That yeah, he was, yeah, yeah, it was. Excellent. That was such a great poem. Um, so I will say, like another knock on this movie is like the best part of the movie ends up being Simon Cowell and. His is the funeral you in the in the title. So it's like at one point you're like, oh, why did you why did you have to kill off the better part of this movie? You know, it's funny because by that point in the film, I had forgotten that it was four weddings and a funeral. Right. So like he like 
has a heart attack or whatever it is. And then I was like, oh, no, I hope he's okay. And I'm like, oh, wait, <laughs> shoot. There has to be a funeral. Right. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? Here. Really? <laughs> or you could just argue that Hugh Grant's wedding was the funeral. Well, no, he doesn't get married. No, he doesn't. Andy McDowell's wedding could have been the funeral because she's marrying the wrong guy. Andy McDowell. That's why I said Andy McDowell. That's not right. Um, my Google Doc rewrote Andy McDowell to be Andy McDowell, and that's that's not right, right? No, it's Andy McDowell. Andy, like, like Andy Amos Dufresne. and Andy. Yeah, like Andy Dufresne. Right. Yeah, okay. It rewrote it as Annie. And oh, I, knew I didn't hear you. I oh, thought you I heard the D when you said it anyway. Oh, no, I just made it because my nose is a little stuffy. But that's like, <laughs> I just, yeah, I knew it wasn't right. Okay. Because okay. I always get Andy McDowell and Audrey McDonald confused. But just because the names They're are similar, different. I know. But the names are similar. <laughs> <laughs> They're this, almost the same letters. If you say so, they are. Do you have fun facts for me? I do. Backstories are giving in a deleted scene. Charles, Matthew, and Fiona were at university together. Gareth was a lecturer. Scarlet was found under Charles' kitchen table after a party and has lived there ever since, which is my favorite backstory of all of them. I wish that was the thing that actually got spoken about in the film. The character of Carrie was voted one of the most annoying film characters of all time in a British online poll. But Britons hate Americans. Yes, yeah, I see, but I agree with them. No, I think she is annoying. They're still bitter about the Revolutionary War. Yes, that's. I'm sure that's it. That was why they they were like, "Oh, she's an American." Like the when they revolted against us. That is bad. a Richard Curtis thing, though, to have a, a a British guy fall in love with an American woman, or somewhere along those lines. Yeah, yeah, that happens in About Time. It happens in. It happens in reverse in Love Actually. Does it? Yeah. Um. Uh. Well. Uh. Um. What's her name? Laura Linney is an American. And she loves that guy. Yeah. Well, his name I can't remember. American Carl. Are Carl. His name is Carl. Americans are better. USA. USA. Oh my gosh! That's the first and only time I've ever going to hear you say that. This is true. During an interview on the Howard Stern show, Hugh Grant said that he, Richard Curtis, and many of the cast and crew of the film didn't imagine Mike Newell's direction as being good for the film, and they weren't happy with the final product. But when the film became a massive hit, Grant said, looking back, that one can't be too sure of what will land with audiences versus what won't. Grant has said later he realized that Newell's directing and making the humor feel grounded instead of lighthearted was the right approach that made the film successful. And I completely disagree with that, but he only agrees with that because this film was massively successful. Right, yeah. If this movie bombs at the box office, everyone's like... What the hell did you do, Mike? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I think I just wasn't I wasn't expecting it to be grounded, and that's what threw me. Yeah. If I knew that going in, I probably would have liked it more, honestly. Maybe. Yeah. So, oh well. All right. Next up on the docket, Pulp Fiction, directed by Quentin Tarantino, written by Quentin Tarantino, based on the story by Quentin Tarantino and Roger Avery, starring John Travolta, Samuel Jackson, Uma Thurman, Bruce Willis, Tim Roth, Amanda Plummer. And a lot of other people. I just yeah. didn't want to list everybody. Harvey Keitel. I'll throw him in there. This movie was nominated for Best Picture, Best Actor for Travolta, Supporting Actor for Jackson, Supporting Actress for Thurman, Director and Editing. It won original writing. The plot revolves around two hitmen, a boxer, a gangster, and his wife, and a pair of diner bandits, and their uh, interwoven tales of fun and terror. Mm-hmm. Um 
Palmer, what do you think of this movie? I don't understand why this movie is loved as much as it is. I do. I don't. I don't necessarily totally agree with it, but I no, I, I, I get it. No, I definitely don't. We're, so here is, we're going to take you to uh, my own school here. Oh. Uh-oh. In this segment that I'm going to call Professor Palmer's Points on How to Make Your Film Better. Oh, I can make this film good. Okay. All because right. there's there's some good elements to it. But first what we got to do is we got to take the script. Mm-hmm. We got to take out the whole opening diner scene. Nope. Disagree. Nope. Continue. T- gone. It's gone. Why? Because I have, I have already torn out that page. But it sets up the end. No. Wait for it. We get rid of the opening diner scene. We get rid of the whole Mia and and Vinny stuff. Gone. Mia's Uma Thurman, right? Right. Yeah, I agree with that, actually. We get rid of that. We cut down the in-between uh, scenario of him and Samuel L. Jackson going on a hit. Because, obviously, that's their job. Mm-hmm. So we see that as part of their job. Now... I don't think it needs to go on nearly as long as it does mm. because that was just like Quentin Tarantino would be like, I'm going to write this because I'm so great. No, you're not. Shut up. <laughs> then we get to the, so then we get to the boxer stuff. Mm-hmm. We're going to leave that intact. Okay. We're going to come back to it. We go back now to Vinny and Samuel L. Jackson you know, trying to dispose of the dead body that Vinny accidentally shoots in the car. Mm-hmm. I believe all of this was just written so Quentin Tarantino could say the N-word multiple times. That's gone. All of it. That that entire part of the story, gone. See ya. Serves no purpose. Although we get Harvey Keitel and his character I really love. Mm-hmm. So maybe we save some of that and put it somewhere else in the film. Okay. And then the closing diner scene, gone as well. This movie just needs to be about... Ving Rhames and Bruce Willis. Bruce Willis's story. Expand it. Find ways to fit some of the better elements in the movie into it. You don't need to have this segmented movie that doesn't ultimately come together other than the fact that Vinny Vega is in every story. And this movie becomes somewhat tolerable. Um, I, I can understand where you are coming from, but I think that misses the point of the structure of the narrative. I don't care what the point of the structure of the narrative <laughs> is. It was done horribly bad. No. So, gone. I fixed your movie. No. You're welcome, Quentin. Yeah, that that that's the part that I, I don't agree with. So Quentin Tarantino is known for the like the idea of play. This is what makes his films kind of independent, that he changes the idea of the classic Hollywood A B C D plot in a in a structured in a, a structured linear order, and Pulp Fiction famously shifts that or shifts that order around to in a nonlinear fashion. But um well, not exactly Rashomon, but but pretty close. And but the narrative is reflective of the inconsistencies of the characters and their in their ambiguity. So, like, instead of asking what's going to happen, you start asking why is this happening and why is it happening this way, and and that's what the kind of the characters are asking themselves in this this you know philosophical discussion of why things are the way that they are and that ha- and you ask that about the story but you also start asking that about 
the characters' lives and then maybe your life, and it's a reflective experience that way. And so if the movie was just, if the movie was linear in an A to D fashion, it's kind of miss. You're kind of missing the. You're kind of missing the roundabout mentality of the characters themselves, and the the way the film was written and edited reflects those characters. The only question I was asking was, why am I being forced to watch this movie that doesn't need to be segmented in order for I, it to be good? I just told you no, no, why. I'm just saying it doesn't need to be segmented in order for it to be good. There's ways to make this movie good without doing this because ultimately the segmented nature of it does nothing for the movie and just detracts. You want to have this whole philosophical range? Great. Fine. Go to a philosophy class. Don't put it in this movie. It's bad. It's just it doesn't work. I'm sorry. It doesn't work except for film school nerds who want to justify the money that they spent on their education. Sorry. Uh, subtweet yeah. at me, why don't you? <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> wow, just tell me to my face. Oh, wait, you just did. <laughs> wow. Wow. I, was, I meant more of Quentin Tarantino. but <laughs> Yeah, I know. But you, did you like when you said that? Did you forget that my degree is in film? Thanks very much. Whatever. <laughs> right. But it's not like you're... But you're a teacher. Right. So it's not like you're trying to use this degree in film to go out and do movies and no. be like, I'm so much smarter than all of you because I have a degree in film. Sure, that is this true. This is what I get every time I watch a Quentin Tarantino movie. And it's pompous and it's stupid. And for the love of God, you didn't need to say the N-word 27 times. Like, why? No, you're a horror... Stop writing stuff. Okay, well, okay, well, I've got more to say. So... So I already answered your narrative question, so I'm not going to go back. I'm not going to go back to that. But part of being an in, part of being an independent film versus a mainstream film, like a Hollywood film, like independent films can be just as popular as Hollywood films, and Hollywood films can bomb and nobody will ever hear of them again. And independent films can live forever. That's not really the distinction. Part of independent cinema is that they are not beholden to mainstream tropes and so in part, the part of the way that they do that is to offend you like they are supposed to always be slightly offensive in some way that's part of no their, that, no that's part of their character no no that is that is one very thin thin sentence away from todd phillips trying to say that comedy doesn't work now because people get offended like no, comedy doesn't have to offend. Movies don't have to offend. You choose whether or not to oh, no, offend. No, 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 no. I, I see what you're saying. And I agree with that. You don't have to be offensive to you don't have to be offensive to be uh, to be a comedy. I get that. Like I see 1950s television sitcoms, you know, but see, but even say something like I Love Lucy is built upon like a men are like this and women are like this. And if that was if that was try if that. If you tried to make that today, it might not fly. I think it will because there's a way to do it and do it fine. Yeah, you do it fine. You don't maybe do it great. You do it fine. No, I mean, I mean, like fine in the way of it's not going to upset anybody. Sure. Like no one now. Like there's no one taking to the streets and saying we should scrub the history books of of I Love Lucy. No, like it took stereotypes yes it took stereotypes 
but it wasn't just a stereotype. It was multiple stereotypes. Yeah, that's true. I, I do think that, uh, I think like if you look at the Mel Brooks philosophy of comedy, he said, I'm never going to joke about two things, the Holocaust and, and dying or dead children, because so, those are not funny. Everything else is fair game. And you know, and I think comedy is a slightly comedy is a slightly offensive. It is a slightly offensive trait, and you have to be okay with being slightly offended. And it could be extremely minuscule. Like it could be that episode of the Dick Van Dyke Show where Laura goes through Rob's mail, and you could be like, "Oh, I do go through my husband's mail, or my wife does go through my mail." Ha 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 ha! Slightly offensive. It called you out, but it's not really calling you out. So I get. So it depends on how willing you are to jump at something and not jump at something independent cinema that is truly part of the independent thing because Hollywood mainstream film is not going to offend you. It is across the board, even with ratings supposed to be like within a box because that's what you expect it to do. And independent cinema is supposed to be outside of that box. And, and so I'm not saying that, all independent films are offensive. The Lord of the Rings is an independent film. It's not offensive. The Star Wars You can't have a $300 million in- budget. And yeah, be- you can. No, because- you cannot. Yes, you can. No. Yeah. I'll give you Star Wars. I'll give you Star Wars they the are- first one. If they are independently funded by not consider one of the major mainstream one of the New Line main- Cinema was a mainstream. No, it wasn't. Yeah, no, it really wasn't. They'd been around since the eighties. That, do- that doesn't mainstream. mean that doesn't mean anything. Being you, you, your mom and pop corner store can be around since the eighties. That doesn't mean you're a mega corporation. They could be. You no, don't know, but they're not. That's, you don't know how many mom the, and pops Walmart owns. That's not. That's not what longevity doesn't make mainstream. It, also, it's, it's how much revenue they're bringing in. New Line wasn't bringing in also, a lot of revenue. New Line if was, Lord of the Rings didn't work, New Line would have folded. No, they wouldn't have. I literally have read a book about it. New Line New Line is owned by Warner. Not when Lord of the Rings was made. Yeah. No, they were independent. They were an independently like connected thing. So if New Line folded, it doesn't hurt warner it's not it's not like it's structured now where that's like a little like farmhouse okay like go do what you want over there it's fine no, it was essentially what miramax was to disney uh yeah kind of so like but that means they had their own budget their own it's more like um it's kind of like uh if disney owns esp disney owns espn they do Right, no, I'm not asking you. I oh, know yeah. they do. Yeah, they own everything. Did, Disney owns ESPN. They even ESPN own has their own budget. They have their own. They right. have their own people who run the business and everything. So if ESPN collapses and folds, that's not like Disney can either save that part of its company or or it can choose to let it go under. Yeah, but Lord of the Rings was built under only New Line. It is it is a independent. They are independent films. Mm-hmm. The Hobbit is not. Because those were made by Warner Brothers under a different under different jurisdiction, the Star, the Star Wars prequels films were were put out by Fox, but George Lucas funded them himself. They are independent episodes one, two, well, and yeah, three are independent films. Well, Fox only owns the distribution rights. Lucas funded all of the Star Wars by himself. Uh, but oh, but there's something there's something about one two. No, he didn't fund the, the first Star Wars completely by himself. No, no, that was 
But I mean that like I would give you that Star Wars one is more of an independent project than any of the other ones that followed because he has more money to back him up. I just want to like I'm not making this up. This is like this is the documented like breakdown. This is you trying to this is you trying to use your the money that you spent on your film degree. This is not trying to use. No, that's what it is. See, refusing to accept what I'm telling you because you haven't bothered to read the thousands of pages that I have. No. Yes. There's no world you're ever going to get me to convince me that. Palmer, that there's Lord no, of the Rings. Palmer, there's no world where I can convince you to do anything. <laughs> I, don't you know what our friendship is? It's me yelling at you to understand things and you going, no. Right, because you're yeah. wrong. Like, no, I'm sorry. Just, no. It's just, if you're right, I'll listen. Can we get back to Pulp Fiction, please? I mean, do we have to? No, but that <laughs> that tangent was kind of akin <laughs> to, Quentin, to a Quentin Tarantino conversation. So I'm glad uh, that we had it because now we're circling back. We're circling <laughs> the drain back to Pulp Fiction. My point with Pulp Fiction. My point with Pulp Fiction is, I think it is an incredibly well written film, and I didn't care about a good chunk of it. Okay. You know, it kind of, in a way, it's kind of like Four Weddings and a Funeral that way. I like Quentin Tarantino's later stuff better. He's, like, split into, like, two areas. He's got his his early stuff where he's playing with narrative form, and then he has his his history movies. You know, his Inglorious Bastards, his his Django, Hateful Eight, all that stuff. But... Quentin Tarantino's all built on pastiche. He takes these like different ideas and he's like, I like this, this, and this, and this, and I'm Quentin Tarantino. I'm going to mush them together and you're going to like it. And I'm going to put it in a blender. That's some people's jams. It's not everybody's jam. But I, Quint, Pulp Fiction is a movie that I is like you throw on your wall in college as a poster and people are like, no, I know cinema. I've seen Pulp Fiction. See, that's th- exactly like people only tell themselves they like his stuff. Because they want to seem like they know cinema. I think his, that's what I think that stuff people say bad. that particularly about Pulp Fiction. I, no, I mean, I, you I would d- say that about almost any Quentin Tarantino. Yeah, movie. but I like his later stuff. I don't really care for his early stuff. I recognize some of like the good stuff in it, but I think his later stuff is better crafted. They're be- they're they're better movies. Yeah, no, and so but like you I, don't I will say like anything. I will say I I agree with you to a point. That this is a lot like Four Weddings and a Funeral. The difference being one of those movies is still written well and the other movie is Pulp Fiction. (laughs) Okay, give me some fun facts. The shot of Vincent plunging the syringe into Mia's chest was filmed by having John Travolta pull the needle out, then running the film backwards. Ooh. Watch carefully and you'll see the mark on Mia's chest disappear when she's revived. In the diner, when Mir orders the $5 shake... You hated the sections with Uma Thurman. Why are all the fun facts about her? Um, because the, there was very little like in the way of actual good fun facts. Gotcha. Okay, continue. In the diner, when Mia orders the $5 shake, Buddy Holly, the waiter Steve Buscemi, asks her if she wants it, Martin Lewis or Amos and Andy. He is referring to two comedy duos, Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis, two white men, the Amos and Andy show, two black men. Basically, he is asking if she wants a vanilla shake or a chocolate shake. She has a vanilla shake. Woo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Chandler Lindor had to sit through the Captain Coon speech de- uh, delivered by Christopher Walken. Because of his young age, he had no clue what, walk- 
Walken was saying, including the use of adult language. That's great. Yeah. I actually really enjoyed that Christopher Walken scene. I mean, that that was a good scene. But again, that's part of the movie that I keep. And even then, like I'm not saying the like I'm not saying the Uma Thurman and John Travolta chemistry was bad. I'm just saying the point of their scenes is pointless and just. I agree that they it was that was very well acted. Yeah, but I didn't care. Yeah, yeah. All right, let's move on. Quiz show directed by Robert Redford, written by Paul Anastasio, based on the book by Richard N. Goodwin, based on the you know nonfiction. Do you know his? uh, You know whose wife is. No. Well, it's not the wife in this movie. They get a divorce. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he later marries Doris Kearns Goodwin, who is a very famous author. She does a lot of like political-centered uh, history books, like yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. the one about uh, the bully pulpit and um, FDR, I think. Yeah, wow. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. That's I did not know that they live. I don't know. I believe they. I believe she still lives in Massachusetts. Really? Yes. He was also an advisor to Kennedy. Well, yeah, he was from Brookline. So yeah, yeah, Brookline. Yeah. Anyway, cast: John Turturro, Rob Morrow, Ralph Fiennes, Paul Schofield, David Paymer, Hank Azaria, a lot of other people. But I'm gonna stop there. Martin Scorsese. Martin Scorsese was in this movie. Yep. He was. That's right. I forgot. This movie was nominated. For picture, supporting actor for Paul Schofield, director, adapted screenplay. This movie won no awards. So I'd like to point out this is the fourth movie we talked about on this episode. Only one of them has actually won an Oscar so far. And it was and, the worst movie. And that was Pulp Fiction for original writing. Isn't that nuts? Yeah. That These are all nominated for best picture. Not a single one of them won right. any award. Although I will say this movie, I feel, is uh, completely overlooked by everyone in the world. Oh, my gosh. This movie was great. I had never seen it before. It was. It was so good. I loved it. I'm going to tell people what it's about because okay. since it's so overlooked. A young lawyer, Richard Goodwin, investigates a potentially fixed game show. Charles Van Doren, a big-time show winner, is under Goodwin's investigation. This movie is a true story yep. based upon a true story. It takes place in the 1950s. When this quiz show was rigging its winners so they would have streaks because audiences really liked them. And then the – not the House of Un-American Committees, but the House of Judicial Oversight? Yes. Legislative Oversight? The Oversight. Yeah. Um, kind of caught wind of of this. And I just thought – it's so funny because I'm like, it's just a – It's just a TV show. It's just a TV show. Yeah. Why are you bothering? Right. Like, this is – like, who cares? I thought about that. A lot when watching this movie for the podcast. I've seen this movie several times. I I absolutely love this movie. Um, but ultimately, the story, and I think the reason why this becomes a movie, it's not necessarily because of the quote unquote scandal, because it was an actual scandal. Mm-hmm. Like people were surprised that this was happening. Yeah, Quiz Show had more. It its ratings were higher than Lucy at one right. point, and. And at, because of what happens in this movie, the quiz shows all but die until like the seventies when they're kind of revived as mm. more puzzle uh, game shows. Mm-hmm. But this is ultimately like the lengths that you would go to put yourself out in public. What you know? What would you do to get there? Would you sell out your own your own intellectual side to be you know to win a Van, lot of money? Yeah, Van Doren comes yeah. from a very prominent. Intellectual family. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he teaches at Columbia. He, t- he teaches, at Columbia. teaches at Columbia. His dad teaches at Columbia. They're, they're poets. They're writers. 
This is a very affluent family in America around this time. Now, it's weird because they talk about like him becoming rich off of this, but I've always kind of envisioned them being at least upper middle class. Sure. But it always seems every so often when they're like talking about money, like they're you know they're they're like lower middle at times. Uh, I I would say maybe even generally middle class, right? But I mean, but I mean, like he did go to an Ivy League school, so but he could have gone on scholarships. He could have, um, and like he's not making bank being a teacher. No, because he's not even he's not a professor yet. Right, he's in he's adjunct or he's in, he's an associate. Like yeah, he's, he's not, an he's associate. A, I believe he's on a ten year track. He's not right. making a lot of money. Right, no, and I'm not saying he's not, but I'm think like I think the family comes from a very affluent place. Gotcha. So. He ultimately decides to sell out his name for my name. It's kind of like the crucible in that instance. Mm -hmm. Only in this case, instead of killing people, because that was really bad, you're just lying to them about the knowledge you have. Right. But he's also a smart guy. It's not even like he's dumb. He just doesn't have as many facts into his brain as led to believe. Know what really got me in this movie? Ralph Fiennes, quote unquote, American accent, really bothered me. Nah, I, it's I, great. It's like his voice is so British sounding, even without a British accent, <laughs> it's distracting. But I think it works given the fact that he's playing like a Connecticut, uh, oh yeah, a absolutely. Connecticut Ivy League schooler. Absolutely, it totally um, works. Yeah, th- this movie from top to it's so, John Turturro is excellent. Oh, Rob Morrow's excellent. This movie is Ralph one Fiennes, of the best acting movies. It is. It is probably. Just as solidly acted as Shawshank yeah. and Pulp Fiction, and I, I even better than Forrest Gump. Actually, I would say, yeah, yeah. Um, it, it's a really, it's weirdly intense, yeah. But it shouldn't be mm-hmm. because you because know the, right. it's rigged, and oh yeah, it's 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 excellent. You know, there's a there's a great line, and I can't remember. I think it's it's um. Martin Scorsese, when he's doing his pre-interview with Goodwin about, like, because he runs Geritol, which is the big mm-hmm. um, sponsor of the show and one of the reasons why they have it rigged. Basically, the you know, whenever Geritol sees the rating slipping, they're like, you, you got to change something, otherwise we're going to go, like, mm-hmm. we're going to walk. Um, and he kind of asks, he kind of asks Goodwin, he's like, what do you really hope to accomplish with these meetings? Because nothing's going to change. Like, mm. and like you're not going to get NBC out of business. They're still going to be around. Mm-hmm. You know, Geritol will still go on because you really can't connect it with us. Nope. And then even if you take down this one quiz show, they'll be back because people like watching them. Mm-hmm. And that's the instance where I sat there. I'm like, that's a good question. Why are we spending all this government money to do this like it is it is to an extent a witch hunt yep oh yeah well it is of the time you know the witch hunty time. but it's not it's like he even tries to rein it in too like he's like look i want to i want to confine this to the scope of the show being illegitimate like he didn't want to take down van doren right he yeah. only takes down Van Doren because he's left he, with no other he's alternative. He's upset that the reality show isn't reality. Right. Like, but it's not. I mean, we might be jaded because we know that our reality shows are not real. But, I mean, Wait, if, you put this, if you put this in, if you put this in the perspective of, um, 
if you put the bill of Jeopardy, right. and you found out that Alex Trebek has been lying for years, and they've just been rigging people, yeah, like people would be upset, but not to the state of we got to take them down with the government yeah. upset. We'd be like, oh well, I feel lied and cheated to. Yeah, I so, agree. Yeah, so I just it, it is funny that it, I. Definitely watch the movie. Absolutely, Def- watch the but movie. You might it, question why anybody cares. Yeah, at the same time, and it, it's weird because people did actually care. And I think the movie's weirdly relevant, especially when it comes to the hearings. Yeah, you know, like no, didn't know anything, didn't like this. Yeah, it's like it still rings so true. Yep. But man, yeah, fun facts. Before filming began, Ray finds one to speak with Charles Van Doren in person to get his accent down for the role. However, no one thought Van Doren would want to help with the film. Ray Fiennes and a film staff member drove to rural Connecticut where Van Doren lives. They found him sitting in a chair outside of his house. Fiennes pretended to be a lost driver and asked him for directions. Wow. No part of the game show cover-up was against any law, and no one went to prison. Individuals were, were prosecuted for obstruction of justice and perjury for their part in covering it up. It led to massive changes in laws regarding contests. Most quiz shows were canceled, and the genre nearly died. One of the few to survive was a bowling show, a sport that is difficult to fix on television. In the 1970s, a new generation of game shows used puzzles and wordplay rather than trivial knowledge. Limits restricted the length of a championship run and the amount that could be won. Hmm. With the passing of Charles Van Dorn in 2019, Herb Stemple is the only living member that was part of the quiz show scandal. Wow. Uh, Goodwin passed away in 2018. Huh. Well, I didn't actually like, know Van Dorn passed, passed away, away. Until I read it. Wow, yeah. that's crazy. That is crazy. Yeah, yep. Definitely watch Quiz Show. All right. Forrest Gump, Best Picture winner. Forrest Gump, directed by Robert Zemeckis, written by Eric Roth, based on the book by Winston Groom. Uh, I lost my place. Starring Tom Hanks, Sally Field, Robin Wright, Gary Sinise, among many other people. Nominated for Best Supporting Actor for Sinise, Cinematography, Production Design, Sound, Sound Effects, Makeup, Special Effects. Sorry, not Sound, Sound Effects. Makeup and Music. This movie won. Oh, no, I was right. Sound and Sound Effects. Movie won Best Picture, Best Actor for Tom Hanks, Director for Zemeckis, Adapted Screenplay for Roth, Editing and Special Effects. In case people don't know what Forrest Gump is, uh, the movie is the a view of history from the presidencies of Kennedy through Johnson and the Vietnam War and Nixon and Watergate, all through the perspective of an Alabama man with an IQ of 75 who doesn't really just witness history, but literally changes the history that you know. He is the major influencer of history. Um. Forrest Gump is beloved by many, many people yeah. across many brains, I'm sure, yeah. many countries and state lines and so forth. Yeah. I hadn't seen it in a while. I remember liking it quite a bit. And so I was expecting it to be very antiquated and potentially offensive when I when I watched it. It's none of those things. No. It's still great. Yeah. It's so fun. Yeah. I mean, it's still slightly okay. It's... You're not a big Forrest Gump fan? <laughs> no, not at all. Why not? Uh, I don't like the aspect of him kind of going through historical things. Yeah. Like, it gets old extremely quickly. I, it's funny because, I le- in a way, I like the aspect of him going through history. I really don't like that he changes history. 
or that he is the influence of history, that right. he is the one that, like, call like, I'm in my hotel room, and I can't sleep because the men across the way are using flashlights, and yeah. I'm at the nice water gate, you know. Uh, it's So I don't necessarily care for that. I think that the tech that they used, you know, to, like, dub oh, and yeah, change no, that was good. President's Jaws, it doesn't super work very well anymore i think like your phone can do it better now but there are some amazing special effects in this yeah. film for instance the feather at the beginning all computer that was a real feather that is not it's all computer no no real feather it's part of my fun facts no it's a fake feather no no that fact is wrong you're wrong do the fact now no skip to fun facts no. i want to hear it nope no nope. too late i'm gonna delete it now okay you because do you that. made fun of it okay good that is a fake feather. That's one of the reasons that it won special effects. No. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Anyway, I think Tom Hanks is a, a brilliant actor, and Forrest Gump is a Forrest Gump is a character that he can actually showcase a range without showcasing any range within Forrest, if that makes sense. Uh, I think Tom Hanks is a decent actor, but I will say... This is probably his one of his best acting roles. Well, that's what I mean. I I think that a lot. Of, I think a lot of a lot of Tom Hanks is Tom Hanks playing aspects of himself, mm-hmm. and but I think but I think Forrest Gump is the role that moves him away from that, that tips him towards a different direction in an acting generation. Yeah, and uh, no, but no, honestly, no. Who I think is not good in this movie is Robin Wright. No, she's good. She, she's fine. I think that's one of the faults of the films is that so like it's like almost like it's kind of like force rise to the top through like sheer means of being luck. alive and luck. Whereas whereas it's Robin Wright's character Jenny's like decline basically throughout her whole life. They right. branch so, in these two separate directions, but it spends so much time with Forrest that I don't really have a chance to like super feel bad. For so Jenny. here, here's the the biggest issues I have with the movie. And <clears throat> I really like the acting in this. I like Robin Wright. I like Tom Hanks in this. It all comes down to the writing for me. And as I said, I don't like how they set up the story love him kind of going mm-hmm. through all of these historical things. But I think you nailed it where, he rises for no reason other than that's what the story says happens. Right. And she falls for no other reason than that's what the story says happens. Right. Like, the the characters don't seem to really have a lot to do except to go in the direction that they're told. It doesn't feel... It doesn't feel part of a real world mm-hmm. you know it would have been i don't think it's supposed to because he's narrating right so it's it's, it's he's an the reliable narrator, narrator yeah he it's his perspective of history and his event which is fine i would have liked a story more um i would have liked to have seen jenny's journey a little bit more and then maybe i think there's a movie that could be done with with forrest and jenny mm-hmm. that concentrates more on them having a life yes. other than having to get them from point A to the next historical point. Yep, I would agree with that. I agree. Yeah, that that's pretty much I think the biggest fault of the of the yeah. film. What about Gary Sinise? How do you feel about Gary? He's good. I really liked him. Like I said, the acting in this movie is really good. And Gary Sinise is just a really good actor in general. And mm-hmm. this is again, uh, this might be 
His best. I think this is his best role. Yeah, it Apo- might be. He's pretty great in I'm Apollo say 13. That right now but this is without think, knowing, without having his uh, CV in front of you. Yeah, yeah. I I think this is his best role. Yeah, yeah. Lieutenant Dan is it's pretty Lieutenant strong. Lieutenant Dan. Yeah, it's pretty strong. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think Forrest, even despite some of the movie's short givings, is is an enduring character, which I I think helps a lot. I I don't know how well it plays without Hank's kind of steering the whole film mm. because I think it could, yeah. it could fall flat yeah. with it without him. Absolutely. It's kind of not like a cohesive whole where every bit is working together. It's, it's kind of Tom Hanks working for everybody. Yeah. Uh, well, sort of almost everybody, but it, um, it is a very, it's a beautiful film actually with the 4k like, Oh yeah, no. Pushed it, out it, like yeah. wow, it is like yeah. The scene of really like him nice running looking. through Vietnam as the as the napalm's <laughs> coming down like that is such a great scene. It is yeah. It's really it's real excellent. It is run across America, of course. Yeah. You know, I do, I do love like what does it mean? He's like it's like nothing. Right. Like I do like that statement kind of in its own <laughs> way. Like it doesn't mean anything. Why does it have to mean anything? Right. Um. I do I do like that. Yep. Fun right. facts for Forrest. When Forrest gets up to talk at the Vietnam rally in Washington, the microphone plug is pulled and you cannot hear him. According to Tom Hanks, he says, sometimes when people go to Vietnam, they go home to their mamas without any legs. Sometimes they don't go home at all. That's a bad thing. That's all I have to say about that. When Forrest first learns to play ping pong in the infirmary, he is told the trick is to keep your eye on the ball by another soldier. After that moment, whenever he is shown playing ping pong, he never blinks. Hmm. Following the success of the movie, Winston Groom wrote a sequel novel, Gump and Company, 1995, which referenced the movie as if it had been released in Forrest's world. He mentioned that the movie was an inaccurate telling of his life and brought him unwanted press attention. Forrest also meets Tom Hanks in the novel. That's fun. Yeah. I'm not going to read that, but that's fun. That's okay. fair. That's fun. All right, fun, good. All right, well, yay, we did it. You ready for the rewindies? Yep. All right, the rewindies. Here we go. Uh, we're doing pretty much, pretty much all the big stuff. So I don't think I've really, I don't think I've really missed anything. Any, maybe just costumes. But that's fine. That's fine. That's next season, baby. Yep. Go ahead. All right, best actor, Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks. I agree. Forrest Gump. Best actress. This is a t- this is a tough year. There's not not a lot of no, strong Robin Wright. Rights. Robin Wright. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. I'm going to give it to Uma Thurman, even though she's really not the lead actress. But she's on the poster, so Uma Thurman. Even though I don't like those scenes, I thought she was really good in them. Supporting actor. Simon Cowell. Oh, yeah. I went with Bob Gunton for... I mean, that's fine. For Shawshank. But Simon Cowell steals every scene he's in. Yeah. Especially at the beginning of the movie, when they're at, like, the second I think wedding oh no mm-hmm. first wedding and they're doing a reading and he's just in the background like hanging himself and blowing yeah you know. it was really good yeah I had a really hard time with I because I so Morgan Freeman was nominated as best actor for Shawshank and which is which is good and everything I've always kind of considered him the supporting actor of no, that film actor, but right. he is really the main yeah. actor and so I that's why 
he doesn't get it yep. in a way because he he is kind of the lead. And mm-hmm. I know we we play to our own rules here, but I had a hard time putting him in that supporting actor role. But Tom Hanks was just better. Um, supporting actress Andy McDowell. I have Robin Wright here, so okay. that's kind of because yeah. it wasn't really her movie, right? Right. Okay. Cinematography. That's a choice that you've made. Shawshank Redemption for me. Special effects. Forrest Gump. Forrest Gump. But not because of the feather. Oh, I noticed that you didn't read that fun fact. I told you I deleted it. Yeah, because I don't listen to me. Because I am correct. Yeah. Listen, who teaches a film class here? It's me. Don't even say that it's you. I spend money to get a degree in film. Yeah, now that's I make you. and now I make money that's off of, and now I make money off of it. So you know that's excellent. To be fair, you teach me. English. You also teach classes on film. That is correct because that because that's in the, that's the department, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I'm head of the department. You know, I can fire you if you worked for me. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. <laughs> so production design. Uh, Shawshank. Shawshank Redemption, I will go with that as well because they made Ohio look like Maine, and yep. that was that's damn impressive. Uh, editing, eh, eh, eh? Forrest Gump, Forrest Gump for the editing. I think it actually won Best Editing. I'm going with Pulp Fiction because that it, it's you kept it all in line. You could follow it along. It's pretty good. If good. I was editing Pulp Fiction, it would have won. Yeah, yeah. It's just like <laughs> just opening credits and immediately cuts to end credits. Yep. Yeah, you're welcome. America. Sound design and mixing because people don't know the difference. <laughs> Forrest Gump. Forrest Gump, indeed. I agree. I gotta pay. <laughs> yeah. Um. I got shot in the buttocks. Music. Um. Quiz show. Oh, it did have a good score. Yeah. I'm going to give it to Forrest Gump because I actually know the music in my back of my brain still. And that is, that's an important part of music. Does it stay with you? Best writing. Quiz show. I'm going to give it to Pulp Fiction because it is really well written. No. Yes. And best picture. Quiz show. The Shawshank Redemption. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, I know. You're wrong, but it's okay. I, I, knew that you would be, it. I knew that you would be fairly okay with it because, as I said before, the worst thing it has going for it is that it's too good. Yeah. Is that, that it just, it works too well together. It should have been the Shawshank Redemption. Yeah. As fun as Forrest Gump is, it's not as well made as the Shawshank Redemption. Yep. All right. Next up on Academy Rewind, we are joined by Scott of the Suicide Squad cast. Woo! And Scott is in. We made Scott said, well, "Put me on for any. Put me on for any movie, anyone that you want." And I said, "Scott, I'm going to give you 1985 because no one has ever heard of any of these movies, and we need you. <laughs> we need you to talk about them. So, are you ready for this? Yep. All right. Number one, the movie that everyone has probably never heard of, but definitely has Amadeus. Yep. Next, The Killing Fields, Places in the Heart, A Soldier Story, and A Passage to India. Excellent. So if you don't come for Amadeus or us or these movies, come for Scott because he's a nice guy. Nice. And he has some nice insights. Well, that's it for Academy Rewind, which is good because uh, I need to tell you that you can find us on AcademyRewind.com and ThoughtBubbleAudio.com, Patreon to support the show and all of the ThoughtBubble Audio shows. You can follow Palmer at Academy Rewind on Twitter. You can follow myself at timothy pg13 you can check out palmer on batwoman tv talk on the thought bubble audio network and you can check out myself on read up 
Beer with Geeks, Supergirl TV Talk, and Tolkien TV Talk. I think those are all the shows that I do. Mm-hmm. Is that it? So, do you have anything else to say? Because they're playing us off. No, I have so many people to thank. Oh, too bad. Bye. Bye.